which was very important. But you know, Jesus was only born for one reason, so he could die as we be resurrected. I think about the different. I know that uh, I hear this goofy thing all the time from different religious people. Well, you know, there's seven great religions in the world. Uh, Christianity is one of them. Christianity is really not a religion. All those religions had founders that died and stayed dead. And now they're nothing but ashes and bones and things like that. Christianity is a way to get an eternal relationship with God. Christianity is a family. It's not a religion. We're a family. Christianity is about relationship to where God's not God anymore, but he's father to us. He's God to religion, or one God to different religions out of many gods they have. But to Christians, once we receive him as our Lord and Savior, he's not God anymore, he's father. Jesus said we pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. And so, you know, we as Christians, we celebrate the fact that we can call him Father. We can call him Heavenly Father. He's our Father. And so I'm so glad I'm not a part of a religious organization. I'm so glad and I'm so grateful I'm a member of the family of the living God through the death, burial, and resurrection of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I can call him Lord. I can call him Master. I call him my Savior. He's my healer. He's my deliverer. He's my everything. And that's only possible because he lived a totally righteous, perfect life before the Father. But then he was judged for my sins as guilty. My guilt, my shame, my sin was taken by Jesus. He paid the penalty for me. I'm so grateful for that. Let's give the Lord a hand again. And, you know, most of you know, some of you don't. We have a Christian book, bookstore back there in that part of the sanctuary. And I want to show you a couple books. And I'm thinking about a sermon that Dr. Barclay preached a couple years ago. He's our pastor, by the way, Dr. Barclay. That's his wife's going to be here, what, three weeks? Three weeks she'll be here. But anyway, he's got a book here called Things You Need for the Day Ahead. And the Bible prophesied thousands of years ago about these evil times we live in. For Christians, we can be protected and not be as rough on as it is on the world out there. They don't walk in a covenant with God. But he preached a sermon a couple of years ago, and his sermon was what to do if you miss the rapture. And, you know, some people might say, well, I don't believe in a rapture. Well, you're going to miss it then. But anyway, he preached a sermon what to do that it'll still be possible to get born again and right with God and get to go to heaven. But it's going to be real rough on you for a while through the tribulation before you get some things right. But the thing is, if we get right with God now, we don't miss the rapture. Amen. So anyway, that was a pretty good service. This is called The Day Ahead. And what that book does, it tells about things that were prophesied in the end times and what to do. To be able to navigate your way through these end times where we live at now. To be able to still be blessed. To stay protected. It's a really good book. And then here's another one called Welcome to God's Family. 
Welcome to God's family. We have the back of the bookstore. What this is, it's a book with, with lots of Bible doctrine, easy sermons in them. If you're a brand new Christian, and like I got born again when I was 28 and a half years old, and really about all I knew about anything was how to spell Bible. And so when people started telling me that, uh, you know, this is in the Bible, that's in the Bible, I didn't know this is in the Bible. And so I was pretty uncomfortable in a church service when they'd say, turn to such and such. And all I had to, first of all, I'd have to find table of contents. And then go thumbing through there trying to find something. But this book right here is if you're, if you're a brand new Christian, there's basic Bible things that Christians need to know in this book here. That's just a nice book for new Christians. And if you're a Christian that's been born again for a while and want to learn and grow, it's a good book for you to do to show you things that the Bible teaches that are our main Bible doctrine. So those are in the bookstore plus lots of other things. But we're talking about the significance of the, res- of the resurrection. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 32, verse 33. And as we, as we go to look in the Word of God today, really what kind of prompted me, the direction I go for, for teaching on some basic Bible things about the resurrection is this. I was, watching, I was watching a news program on TV this week, and when I was watching it, they were doing a man-on-the-street interview in New York City. How many know what a man-on-the-street interview is? That's they got cameras, they got reporters asking people questions. What do you think about this? Or what's your opinion on this? Well, they were asking people on this show in the streets of New York City, what do you think Easter is? Why do we celebrate the Easter holiday? What's Easter? And some of them said things like, uh, well, that's when the Easter Bunny comes. And one goofy lady said, I think that's the day that Jesus laid eggs to get the start of the, the, the Easter egg hunts. She really said that. And then some of them said things like, well, I think that might be the birthday of Jesus. And they said all kinds of things. I thought, our country has got this far away from Christianity. So many generations, our country has snuffed every religion, snuffed Christianity in America, but promoted religions. They've said it's okay to teach about different religions in schools. It's okay to study religious books in schools, but don't study the Bible. Don't study about Jesus. Don't talk about Jesus, anything else. And I've watched over the years... I was, I was born in 1951. I've watched over the years, since the early 60s, of people hollering, filing lawsuits about a simple thing as a cross somewhere. Even when people get killed on the side of highways, hollering because there's a cross over their market where somebody got killed because the cross points to Jesus. Our little manger scenes in public places, getting upset because little manger scenes representing the birth of Jesus to become the Savior of the world. And so it's no wonder, it's no wonder that young people, by young people, I'm talking about maybe 40 and younger or something like that, or maybe into their, you know, up to 50 years old, this last two or three generations have been taught so contrary to Christianity, they don't have a clue what's going on. And so let's look at this verse right here. And then I'll tell you where we're coming from today. First Corinthians 10, verse 32 and 33 says, Give none offense, neither to the Jews, 
nor to the Gentiles, that basically means unsaved people that are Jews, nor to the church of God. That means born-again Christians. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. And so what this is telling is this. A main key to Bible interpretation is to know the three people groups that the Bible addresses. Three people groups the Bible's written to. And what that means to me, I'll, I'll say some more in just a second, is this. I realize that when I preach on a Sunday morning, I've got different people I'm addressing. Like this morning, I'm speaking to some people that are born-again Christians. And so on the inside of them, and maybe they're understanding that a little bit about what the resurrection really is, and it bears witness, and they know it's right. But then I'm probably also supposed to talk to some people that haven't been born again yet. Jesus doesn't live in your heart yet. You haven't received forgiveness of sins yet. You don't have eternal life in you, so you're a different group. Two different groups. And then I don't think we have any Jews this morning, but if I had Jewish people, that's a whole other group. And the Bible talks to these three different groups of people. And so the Jews are old covenant people. They had a covenant with God under the Old Testament. The Gentiles are non-covenant people. They're not Jewish people, but they're not born-again Christian people. They're unsaved people. And that's what I was before I received Jesus. I wasn't in a covenant with God. I wasn't Jewish. And I wasn't born again Christian, so the new covenant didn't apply to me. I was a Gentile. I was unsaved. And then the church of God is born again, new covenant believers that have a covenant. The new covenant belongs to Christians. And so that's who the Bible talks to. And so to rightly interpret the scriptures when reading a passage, you need to ask yourself, and this is for Christians to understand this. You need to ask yourself when you read the scriptures a couple of questions. Number one, who's God talking to in this passage? And basically, when you read the Old Testament, God's talking to the Jews. He's telling the Jews in a lot of Old Testament passages, here's what to look for for the Messiah. The Messiah will come from here. The Messiah will have these characteristics. Here's what the Messiah will do. And so that's the Old Testament talking to Jewish people who their Messiah is, what he's going to look like. And then in the New Testament, a lot in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he's talking not only to the Jewish people, but the unsaved people that aren't Jewish about who I am. I'm the Son of God. I come to die for your sins. I'm the one. Tell them these kind of things. But then the epistles, which is the ones past the, past the book of Acts, you begin to read those. Then God begins to talk to New, Christ, New Testament Christians that have a covenant. He tells them, you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. What you bind on earth is bound in heaven. You can cast out devils. Amen. He begins to tell Christians things like that, that, that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And so, see, that is talking to born-again Christians. But other places that talk to people aren't born again, tell them you need to get born again to have a covenant. And so anyway, God talks to basically three Bible groups of the Bible, Jewish people, unsaved people, and born-again people. And so today I'm going to be talking to born-again people to give you more light on the resurrection. And people that aren't born again yet, I'm going to say things to you to help you realize the significance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what that means to you for your eternal destiny. And so... I've given a lot of thought and prayer about this morning's message. 
And I know we don't live the same America that we used to. Christianity and the teachings of Christ have been replaced by secular humanism and every other type of religion. And so even for born-again born Christians, some things we're going to look at may be new to you. Maybe you haven't seen them in the Bible yet. But it's going to help, it's going to help solidify your foundational faith in Jesus and what he's done for us. And for the rest of you, I want you to look closely to the scriptures because the Bible is not just some good book that some people wrote to make you feel good. The Bible is God talking to mankind. And so we read the Bible. This is not like reading this morning's newspaper to see what happened down in Victorville or what happened in L.A. this week. We're going to read about a real killing that took place. A man was murdered. His name was Jesus. But when he was murdered, it wasn't because he did wrong. It's because mankind did wrong. And he didn't stay dead. He was resurrected. Somebody say hallelujah. Amen. And so uh, the significance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the most important event that ever took place in the history of man. Look at Romans chapter 10. Verse 9 and verse 10, and I'm going to read it actually out of the living, out of the New Living Translation. And this is the most important knowledge, the most important knowledge you'll ever receive anywhere, anytime. Talk about the resurrection. Romans 10, verse 9 and 10, and the New Living Translation says this. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that's talking about the resurrection. If you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God, as by openly declaring your faith. And your faith is this, that Jesus died for your sins and God raised him from the dead. That you are saved. And so the first point that we're looking at is that believe it in your heart and confessing with your mouth the Lordship and the resurrection of Jesus is the only way to be saved. This is the bedrock and the foundation of our Christian faith. We believe in water baptism, but water baptism won't get you to heaven. We get water baptized because we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and we get baptized, not to get saved, but because we are saved, because of receiving Jesus. We believe in Holy Communion. We receive the Lord's Supper. We take communion the first Sunday of every month. We do that. We don't do that to get right with God. We do that because we are right with God. And we're celebrating that Jesus died for our sins, was raised from the dead. We believe in teaching kids at Sunday school. We believe in... All kinds of Christian things, but none of those things would count if we weren't, first of all, founded and grounded in the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. That's the number one thing. That's what gets us saved. And so this is the significance of the resurrection, that Jesus died. He rose from the dead. That's how our faith starts, is believing that Jesus rose from the dead. And so, what do, we, what, what do we need saved from? And I know a lot of times, you know, uh, I realize as a preacher, 
talking to different groups of people that if you're already born again, you know what you need to save from. But if you're not born again, and you know, something that was, I think, nearly impossible back in the 1950s when I was going to Sunday school and things I was doing was being a church service where somebody never heard the salvation message before, where somebody was ignorant of who Jesus was. But I know that I've, I've met people here in California come to my church for the first time in their 40s and 50s and they've never been in a Christian church before. They say, this is the first time I've ever been to a church. Somebody invited me so I came, but I've never been to a church before. And so I know that if that's the case, then when we talk about saved, you're thinking, what do I need saved for? I'm doing okay. Amen. You hear what I'm saying? And so he says, if you believe in your heart and declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. And so we've got to answer that question from the Bible. What do we need saved from? What do we need saved from? And so I want you to look at Romans chapter 3, verse 23. And I'm a preacher, but my main, my main calling besides pastor is Bible teacher. And so I don't like to just give you opinions. I want to look at what God had to say, because that's got to be the basis of your faith, not upon what, 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 what I might think, what my opinion is, but I want to see what God says. And when God says something, if you've got an open heart to God, if you've got an open heart to Jesus, then the Holy Spirit will, what we call, bear witness for your heart. You'll just know in your heart, that's right. I can see that. I believe that. As we're talking about why do we need saved? What do we need saved from? Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says this. For all, say all, have sinned. Say all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. And so because of the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, mankind became slaves to Satan and sin. And, you know, I just want to say this. I know that people... With human reasoning, trying to figure God out. With human reasoning, trying to figure out spiritual things, will reason themselves that much further from God if we try to figure things out. And somebody uh, says something, oh, well, that's not fair. That's not right. The devil has never been fair. He's never treated people right. Adam and Eve were God's original people he had on the earth. Adam and Eve were the start of the human race. Adam and Eve had the blessing of God in their lives. And Adam and Eve had instructions from God about what to do to start walking and producing the human race. He told them one thing to do. said, get to the tree of life. said, don't touch that tree. Don't eat of there. And Satan came in to the Garden of Eden. And Satan tempted Adam and Eve. And when they transgressed, or when they sinned against God and His commandments, then they fell and they doomed the whole human race. Somebody said, what's that got to do with me? You're part of the human race. And God had the human race start through them. And so the whole human race then had a curse put on it. Separation from God, eternity away from God. And then what became fair then... It wasn't fair for Jesus, but it was fair for us. Jesus came then as the only begotten Son of God. Jesus then represented the human race. The Bible calls Jesus the second Adam. Jesus then came. Adam and Eve represented us. 
had lost what we had. Jesus came back representing us and got it back for us. Jesus was perfect. He had God's blood in his veins. God was the father of Jesus. Before Jesus came to earth, he was his father. While he was on the earth, he was his father. And so, you don't have to try to figure it out for your head. The Bible tells us that Jesus was all God, but he was all man. And Jesus laid down his divine, his divine powers. He laid down his divine uh, things he could have used to live on the earth, and he lived by faith like any man would have to on earth. He could have. He could have used the powers of God. He laid them down so he could live this life by faith and he could resist temptations. He could resist sins like we would have to. And because he lived for 33 years and never sinned against God, then when he died, he was a sinless man. When he died, he represented the human race. He took God's sin in his spirit, in his soul, in his body, and God judged him. And then, after he spent, we're going to look at these in the scriptures, after he spent three days in the earth, in hell, then God said, price has been paid. Come up out of there now, son. The human race was set free. That's the power of the resurrection. And so, I want to say it again because I recognize that I'm talking to people that aren't right with God today, some of you. And so to understand with your head, you can't. you got to believe it in your heart. We saw in Romans chapter 10, it says you believe in your heart and declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord God raised him from the dead. Your head will never figure out how could that be fair. Amen. Amen. So we listen with our heart. And so... Because of the fall of the garden, mankind became slaves to Satan and sin. And so, without salvation through Christ, the entire human race are slaves to sinning against God and his moral standards. I praise God I'm not a slave anymore. I'm not perfect, but praise God I'm not a slave anymore. Satan is not my master. Sin doesn't control my life anymore. Things tempt me. Sometimes I fall. Sometimes I do wrong things still. Well, I thought you was a preacher. I'm a human being. I'm a born-again believer. I got feelings like you got feelings. I got, the, I, got, I, I got the same flesh you've got. Sometimes I've been known to yell at my wife. Sometimes I've been known not to be the best driver out here on the 15th. Sometime I've been known to murmur when the person at Walmart with the 2,000 things in the car jumped in front of me when I got one thing in my hand. I've been known to blow up just to hear somebody say, well, hi, Pastor, good to see you. And then I sank real low. I said, oh, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus. I got flesh, but one thing I know, Jesus set me free from being a, sin, a slave to that sin anymore. He set me free from having to blow up. And if I do blow up and say things I shouldn't have said, praise God by his blood, I get right with God and say, Jesus, I'm getting better every day. More and more I'm yielding to you. And I want to thank you, Jesus. 
I want to thank you, Jesus. Help me to walk in victory over that. Not going to fall for it again. And I fall for it again. I say, oh, Jesus, forgive me. Help me get right, Lord. Satan is not my master anymore. Praise God that, that uh, I, 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 I'm not where I want to be. But praise God I'm not who I used to be, where I used to live. Things have changed. Amen. And so that's what I'm telling you. Jesus came so we didn't have to be slaves to that old man anymore. We have to be slaves to that sin nature and do those things we used to do. The power of the resurrection. He defeated Satan and his power over mankind. And so we don't have to be slaves to those things anymore. Romans 6.23. Romans 6.23. And we're talking about the significance of the resurrection. And, you know, we're going to have a nice scripture egg hunt for the kids today. And uh, we're not against little Easter bunnies and Easter candies and all that kind of stuff. That's fun things for kids to do. But the main thing is we don't want to lose sight of what this is all about. Amen. Romans 6.23 says this. All, we know Romans 3.23 says all have sinned. But this says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Not through joining a church, not through being baptized, not from attending 12 weeks in a row and having perfect attendance. It's through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so death here, the way it said is death, doesn't mean physical death. It means separation from God. Adam and Eve had a walk with God. They become separated from God with the aid of the forbidden fruit. When they got separated from God, the book of Genesis says that God come walking through the garden looking for them, and they hid themselves because they were separated now. They did have fellowship, but they got separate because of sin. And so mankind has been separated from God because of sin. And because of sin, man is spiritually dead to God, not alive on the inside to God. Not alive to the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. And so because they become spiritually dead, separated from God, because separated from the covenant of life He had planned for them, and that separation, that condemnation, came on the whole human race. And through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, all who ask can be saved from eternal separation from God. All who ask can be saved from eternal separation from God simply by asking Jesus to be Lord of their life. Everything changes. And so what does this eternal separation from God, from God mean? Well, I want to look at Matthew chapter 25, verse 41. There's so many verses we can look at. But just to simply look at some real simple verses that paint the picture of what's going on in a world that we can't see with our physical eyes. And, you know, I, I want to say again that this morning I'm not teaching deep Bible lessons about how to grow as a Christian. Matter of fact, uh, when I was in Bible school back in 1983, 1984, we had a whole class about what happened in those three days that Jesus was under the earth. It's been a whole class 
going through Bible scriptures. So there's so much that happened those that uh, on those three days that happened in heaven and hell and on earth that took place that we got some really deep teachings. But just for the sake of helping people to see the significance of this resurrection and why we need to acknowledge it and see the benefit of it, we're looking at just a very, 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 very few basic scriptures just show you in the Bible that what we're saying is just not man-made tales, but they're actually things that really happened and some things that will happen in the future. Matthew 25, verse 41, Jesus said this, This shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. God's intent wasn't for hell to be for mankind. It's judgment for Satan. And, you know, we don't want to get too deep, but Isaiah and Ezekiel tell us that Satan originally started off in heaven. His name was Lucifer. He was one of God's leading angels. He led worship in heaven, and he turned on God and turned on heaven, and he was judged. He came down to earth. And then God created hell for him and his demons. One for mankind. Jesus said hell was created for the Satan and his angels. But when man fell, then things changed. Mankind was judged. And so hell is as real as heaven. Hell is as real as heaven. And, you know, I think about human beings and even Christians that don't know the Bible very well. Make statements. I'm going to make a statement. They make statements like this. They see somebody do something really evil on earth and say, well, there's a special place in hell for them. There's no special place in hell for anybody. Hell is really hell. And they're Christians. They things like, man, I just went through hell. Somebody says that to me. I say, no, you didn't go through hell. Somebody says, man, I'll tell you what, life is hell on earth. I say, no, life is not hell on earth. You are not an everlasting fire on earth. The only reason people go to hell is not because they murder somebody, not because they're child abusers, not because whatever else they are. The only reason a human being ever goes to hell is because they, re- they reject salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there's no special place in hell. And then some people say good things like, well, when I get to hell, I'm going to party. It's kind of hard to party when you're so tormented in flames forever and ever and ever and ever. The horrors you can think about what that would be like. Jesus said, it's a fire. It's, your worm quenches not means you can never, ever, ever, ever get a drink to quench what's going on with you. It's fire and brimstone, and what's brimstone? That's like what happened in a, when Sodom and Gomorrah was judged. The rocks melted. It was so hot. That's what it is forever and ever and ever and ever. So even if you're down there with your best buddy from earth, you're not going to be partying. And you're not going to have any special place. Everybody in hell has one thing. They're tormented forever and ever and ever and ever. Hell is the exact opposite of heaven. In heaven, it's paradise. It's perfect forever and ever and ever and ever. And this is what we're talking about, is that we need to receive what Jesus did for us at the resurrection. Jesus 
went down to hell. We're going to see that in the Word of God. He went down into hell after three days. Jesus was down there in that torment. He was down there in that everlasting fire. He wasn't supposed to be there, but he did it for us. He was down there so we don't have to go. And so Jesus said that hell is everlasting fire. And, you know, we think about the word everlasting. Well, we receive everlasting life when we're born again. And that means that it lasts forever. That means forever we get to be in heaven with our loved ones that have received Jesus. And, you know, I think about how real this is to me. I personally led my mother to the Lord before she died. She got born again. I led my daddy to the Lord before he died. He got born again. I led my younger brother to the Lord before he died. My grandma used to take me to Sunday school. She was born again. And so that's the people I know for sure when I get to heaven, I'm going to get to see them, live with them forever with Jesus. But there's lots of people that I've known over the years that, that said, I'm a Christian, but I never saw them ever go to church. I'm a Christian. I still saw them living like a sinner. I still saw them doing the same things that they always did before they said they was a Christian. Jesus said in the Gospels, he said there's going to be some people said, Lord, Lord, we know you. He said, depart from me, I don't know you. He said, go to everlasting fire, I didn't know you. He said, you'll know Christians by their fruits. He said, you know Christians by their fruits. Let me just ask you a simple question. If a bird said, I'm a fish, and it flew, didn't swim, would that make it a fish? Because it said, I'm a fish, I'm a fish. No, you're not a fish, you're a bird, you fly. If a cow, if a cow said, I'm a dog, would you expect it to walk around barking or something? Cows give milk, they're cows. Dogs bark, cats meow, birds fly, fish swim. Sinners sin, Christians go to church. Christians want to treat people right. Christians don't want to get mad and get even. Christians want to forgive and forget and help people get up. Christians live different. Jesus said, you know, a Christian by their fruit. And so, so if, if, if I meet somebody in my life and they're high all the time, or committing sexual sin all the time, cussing people out all the time, just doing wrong things all the time, you know, or anti-God, Say, I'm a Christian. I'm going to say, I know you by your fruit. If you're a Christian, there's going to come a point in time you quit doing those things you're doing because Christians want to live right. Amen. And so I'm, I'm telling you this. In God's eyes, right's right and wrong's wrong. And before we get born again, now listen to what I'm going to say. This is going to help you. Before you get born again and get the Spirit of God on the inside of you, you might want to do right, but you don't have the ability. But when you get born again, and the Holy Spirit begins to live inside of you, the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to live right. You might have the will that you want to, but until you receive the help from God on the inside, you can't. You're going to keep falling over and over again and try to pick yourself up, but you don't have God on the inside of you. When you get God on the inside of you, that changes everything. Can you see what I'm saying? Amen. And you're going to want to do different. But then you'll have the power to do different. And so, and so hell's as real as heaven. If you haven't received God's uh, gift of salvation, 
uh, yet, then you hope that it's not true, that hell's not real. Oh, that reminds me of something. Uh, we went down to see, is our new drill sergeant in here? Got a new drill sergeant sitting right back here. Got to, got to, got to go down to, to Evans, uh, graduate from drill sergeant school down in San Diego this week. Let's give Evan a hand. He went through a lot. His, his family's done a lot. Amen. Got to go down there, and I guess they've got different commercials down there than they got here in the high desert. I couldn't believe what I saw. We flipped on the TV for a minute to catch up on the news before we went to bed, and we saw most of a commercial by one of our former president's sons. And the guy said, I'm so-and-so, so I represent the such-and-such Atheistic Society of America or something like that. And said, I want to tell you what, for all you born-againers, said this right on the TV on a commercial for something. He said, my name is such-and-such, said, I don't believe in hell. I don't believe in God. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not afraid of burning in hell because I don't believe in it. I thought, wow, how horrible. This is a commercial down here in San Diego. That guy said to you born-againers, said, I don't believe in your God. I don't believe in hell. And I'm not afraid of burning in it because there's not one. Hey, did anybody ever see old baby Huey in those cartoons? He had a great big target butt, stuck his head in the sand, said, you can't see me, you can't see me. He was so stupid, his head buried in the sand, he didn't realize the big target he left. And so, just says this, if you're not born again, you hope there's not a hell. But if you're born again, you know there is. And you know that's one reason you want to stay right with God, stay safe, live for Him, because you know there's a hell. Because you know in your heart... That there's a heaven, there's a hell, because they're both in the Bible. Amen? And so all who reject salvation through Christ will spend eternity in everlasting fire. And I want to say it again. I didn't say that. I read the words of Jesus. Jesus said that. Amen? So Christians know. If you know you're born again, go to heaven and give God a hallelujah. Amen. Look at Matthew chapter 12. Verse 40, and we're talking, about, we're talking about the significance of the resurrection. Matthew 12, verse 40. How many ever went to Sunday school and heard the story of Jonah and the well? Even if you didn't go to Sunday school. You know, this is one of those man the street interviews, man. We had about two people heard of that. Wow, that's amazing. I am talking to the right crowd. Okay, how many that you didn't go to Sunday school, or you did? This is not setting you up. I'm not going to say, hey, okay, tell me about it then. I'm not going to set you up. Just asking a simple question. How many ever heard the story of Jonah and the well? Okay, that's about three-fourths of you. Well, I'm not going to go back and teach on today. Uh Somebody sign up for Sunday school class they teach on in there, I know. But Jesus is telling about this Old Testament, Old Testament true story where there was a runaway prophet thrown over the side of a ship and a big fish swallowed him. And so then here, Jesus is telling about that story referred to himself. He says, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the well's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And so, uh, 
when Jesus was crucified, had died physically, his spirit became separated from God, and he paid the price of judgment for our sins by going down to the fires of hell in the center of the earth for three days and three nights, just like Jonah was in a very, 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 can't say hell, but Jonah was in a very, very horrible situation in a well's belly for three days and three nights. And so this is Jesus in the Bible telling those of you that haven't received him yet, you don't, have to, you don't have to die and go to hell. He went for you. Jesus said, I'll be down there three days and three nights just like Jonah was. And so Jesus paid the price for your sins. Jesus was down there three days and three nights. Now I want you to look at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And you notice the different parts of the Bible we're looking at is Jesus talking to different groups. He was telling the people back then, because nobody was born again yet, what was going to happen to him. And then we get the book of Acts. It's already taken place. And now Peter's telling about what took place. And by the way, these verses we're looking at is Peter's quoting from Psalm 16, which was prophesying to the Jews of what was going to take place. Acts chapter 2 Verse 24, this is Peter preaching one of the first sermons in the New Testament, says this, Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible they should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad, Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. He's quoting from Psalm 16, Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy Holy One to see corruption. Jesus went to hell, but he didn't stay there. This is the Bible talking. We're talking about the significance of the resurrection. I want to say this again. Easter represents the greatest event in human history. Praise God for Good Friday. Good Friday represents the day that he was crucified. But if there wasn't a resurrection day, then the crucifixion didn't count for anything. He stayed dead. He didn't stay dead. And let me, let me tell you something about, about the deception of Satan and human weakness. When you read in the book of Matthew, Jesus was dead in the tomb. There were guards there at the tomb. And the Bible tells us in Matthew that all of a sudden there was a bright light from heaven. And angels came, rolled that big stone away, and says that those guards became as dead men. They fell over by the power of God, slain of the Spirit, laying there, knocked out by the power of God. And then those religious priests came and said, we're going to give you money if you'll lie. And say the disciples came and got them. I, want to, I just want to talk about the deception of Satan, how he's got some of you blinded about things. These guys were right there. These guards, these Roman guards, they saw the angels come. They saw those angels move that big stone from that tomb. They were knocked out by the power of God. And then these religious priests, because it violated their religious thinking about how things ought to be, said, we're going to give you guys money, just lie. Can you imagine 
those guards seeing the Son of God crucified, that had already told all the world around them that I'm going to be in the grave three days, but I'm coming out. And they saw it happen, and then they yielded to the temptation of money to lie about what they saw happen. And so I said that to say this. If Satan can deceive men that were right there about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, how about you today? How about the world today that hears about this and many different things? You know, Easter is one of these things that's celebrated worldwide pretty much about the resurrection. But just because it's celebrated for all the different religious reasons doesn't mean that everybody celebrates is going to heaven. Only those that call upon the name of the Lord go to heaven. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? You stop to think about it. Those guards were right there. But then they lied and said, oh, it didn't happen, didn't happen, didn't happen. Well, just because somebody says it didn't happen doesn't change the fact. It happened, and we have to take benefit of it if we want to go to heaven. And so it says that thou will not leave my soul in hell. And so Jesus took our judgment. Jesus went to hell so we don't have to. That's the significance of the resurrection. I want to look at Revelation 1.18. Revelation 1.18, to me, this is one of the most powerful verses in my Bible. This is Jesus. How many here have ever heard of the book of Revelation, by the way? Not a set-up question. If you heard of it, raise your hand. Okay, most people, even if they don't go to church, heard of the book of Revelation and all the vials and the blood and all the different stuff that's prophesied, all the ugly, horrible things of Revelation. And gullible Christians get too spooky about the book of Revelations and just get all kinds of things screwed up in their thinking about what they think about different things going on. book of Revelations is Jesus talking to John, the apostle, telling him about end times things. And so at the start of the book of Revelation right here, here's one of the first things that Jesus told John when he appeared to him. Now listen to this. The power of the resurrection. I am he that liveth and was dead. John saw him crucified. And then John, with the other apostles, heard him when he came to the uh, in, in, in the book of Acts and talked to him. But now John's been a prisoner on an island for a while. And so he's out there isolated. And Jesus said, hey, I'm here that liveth and was dead. Behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And he said, I have the keys of hell, head of death. That's the power of the resurrection. Jesus said, I was dead. I've got the keys. When he went down into hell... He stripped Satan of his authority. He took the keys. that They represent power. The power, the hold that Satan had on the human race, Jesus took it back. said, now I'm taking it. He said, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. Can you see that? Well, I'll tell you what, somebody shout. I want you to look at Colossians 2.15. We're about to wrap this up. But my prayer is that you were strengthened as Christians today about the significance of the resurrection. And if you haven't received Jesus yet, that I pray that the Holy Spirit has talked to your heart and convicted you of your sin, that you need to receive what Jesus did for you. 
Colossians 2.15, this is written, this is an epistle, so the three people groups, the Jews, the unsaved, and the Christians, this is talking to Christians, born-again people right here, talking about what happened when Jesus went to hell. And having spoiled, that means paralyzed, disarmed, disarmed, took the weapons away, principalities and powers, that's talking about demon spirits, he made a show of them openly, trumping over them in it. And so that means that means that, that, that Jesus stripped Satan of his power, of his ability to hurt you. But you've got to receive what he did. And so the significance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is Jesus broke Satan's power over the human race. Jesus broke Satan's power over the human race. Amen. You don't have to be addicted to alcohol and drugs. You don't have to be addicted to pornography and perversion. You don't have to be addicted to being a liar. You have to be addicted to sin anymore. Jesus broke the power of the devil over your life. Nobody has to be a slave to Satan and sin anymore. Amen. I want to look at, in closing, at Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Verse 9 through 13 says this. That if thou or if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus that he's Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, not the head, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. That means being right with God. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him, well, that means me. That means you. That means the Jewish people. That means the Muslim people. That means whatever religion is in the world, if it's a human being that breathes, God said, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Now look at this. For whosoever, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what your background is, you're not too far away from God. That he can't get to you this morning. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from what? From an eternity of separation from God in a place called hell that was created for Satan and his demons. Amen. You don't have to be there. Let's stand up. Amen. Let's stand up. You can do better than that. Hallelujah. Amen. You can do better than that. Now, what I want to do, what I want to do, he said that you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be 